0: So I thought that was super cool, super encouraging. But I want to give you Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 40. We're going to go through this quick because it's a lot of verses. And I don't want you to think I'm freestyling or rapping because I'm cruising so fast. But I'm going to try to give you the meat and, and cruise through the rest a bit. But Nate's not here, so I can, <laughs> I can go over a little. If Nate's here, well, the thing's shut down. and no, I'm just playing. We appreciate Nate. We love you, Nate praying for you, Nate. Nate's just a little under the weather, but he'll be back next week. So let's pray for our church and our church people. Don't judge a church by what's on stage today. Next week, we're going to have a five-piece band again. It's crazy. Just like that, boom. And just like that, God can multiply your church. He can multiply your opportunity. Just like that. Everybody say, just like that. It's just like that. And he's doing it. And he's going to do it and it's so good. Okay. Love you Nate. When two f- so so let me recap here. Joseph was captured last week in week 1 of this Vision Seekers Series and he had to be a little selfish with his, his dream, because when you know God's calling you, you got to be a little selfish with it and pursue it, no matter what your, your siblings think or what the world thinks. Had he listened to them, it would have been bad. So what they do, they try to stop him. But everything the world tries to do to stop you, God will use to take you closer, actually, to the promise he has. And so when they try to capture him and put him into slavery, the God said, thank you, because that's where I needed him to go, Egypt. See, Joseph's good at interpreting dreams. And back then, a lot of the leaders had dream interpreters to help them uh, lead their nations like Pharaoh. So it's been a couple years now. Joseph has been in captivity, in prison. You think it was bad to get through corona? He's been in a dungeon for two years since to this point. It wasn't overnight that that God blessed him like we're going to see today. It was two more years, it said, before he got a special call. It says, when two verse forty, chapter forty-one, verse one through forty. That's a tongue twister. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile River. When out of the river there came up seven cows, weird, sleek, and fat, and they were grazing among the reeds. After them, the reeds. Excuse me. After them, seven cows, ugly and gaunt. I think it's funny they said they were ugly. Aren't all cows ugly? <laughs> Just kidding, people. You farmers out there, we love our beef. They taste good. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up from that dream. Then he fell asleep again, verse 5, and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, here we are talking about grain again, like Joseph, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads of grain. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been another dream. In the morning, his mind was a bit troubled by these so he went for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt these were like fortune tellers interpreter exorcists like these people did it all of that time pharaoh told them his dreams but no one could interpret what these meant for him then the chief cupbearer said to pharaoh today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh once was angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. He told him our dreams. We told him our dreams. They're talking about Joseph. And he interpreted them for us, giving us each the man. I cannot read, I'm sorry. Giving each man the interpretation of his dream. So, here the dream interpreters for Pharaoh, who could not interpret Pharaoh's dream, had a dream of their own. And when Joseph was in the dungeon, they said, Hey, you're a dreamer. Can you tell us what our dreams mean? So, verse 13 says, And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled or killed. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Everybody say the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. You can't be going up before Pharaoh without a clean shave, Mike. Even my wife won't take me like that, let alone the king of all the land in Egypt, the Pharaoh. Excuse me. I'm more of a British guy. So they shaved him and got him some nice clothes and put him before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, verse 15, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. This is so good. He says, I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God, everybody say, but God, will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. He says, I am nothing without God, and if you want to hear from God, then use me, Lord, because I'm dead without you in my trespasses. Even Joe knew that back then. Y'all know it's the same for you, right? In me, and all of us. We're boats. He's the captain. I cannot do it. Can you imagine Pharaoh right then if he hadn't finished his sentence? But God can do it, Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, and he's going to repeat this, and I'm going to go quick because y'all heard this before. When out of the river, there came seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly this time and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. My Lord, what was wrong with that cow he saw? Goodness, I mean, if they're already ugly, how bad is an ugly cow? Y'all know, can I, can I say this in church? Y'all know, like, when the baby's not cute, you gotta fake it. <laughs> and you, you can't really be honest, you know? But everybody knows if they're not cute then, they're gonna be really not cute later. Can I get an amen? <laughs> oh, we're just, we're just preaching here. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows because they are jealous. The, the cheerleader cows or whatever, They were jealous, Um, but even when they, after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before, it says in 21. Then I woke up. Even after they ate the good cows, they still were just as ugly, the text said. Pharaoh said this, they were just as ugly even after they were fat and happy with food in their belly. He says in 22, in my dream, I saw seven heads of grain full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, and scorched by the east wind. Then the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. Here we go again, jealous grains. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. They both mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream, Pharaoh. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. That means no food. You know, like when we ran out of toilet paper? Not quite, but like, like, like our way of having like a famine, like there's no extra two-ply, that's what they had, but they had no food, they were like going to starve to death. So be thankful that you have something, even if it's not some two-ply, it ain't this bad, okay? Where was I? Verse 28, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming, Pharaoh, throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow those seven years. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. Isn't it interesting that God can provide so great in one season, and as soon as a bumpy road comes along, you forget what he did for you. Now he even is prophesying to Pharaoh that everyone will forget what God did in the good seven years as soon as the other seven years hit. Isn't that a darn shame? Did I say darn? Isn't that a shame? You know? Does that sound familiar? Like, like woe is me. God says, don't forget to store it up while I got it for you because you might need that later. But seven years, verse 30, will follow. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Let me tell you, church, read your scripture. A lot of scripture repeats itself. There's a reason because God is showing emphasis and importance by doing this and that's what he's doing in the dream by repeating it twice. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. This is Joseph. The prisoner's advice to the Pharaoh. No pressure, Joe. He's saying, You need somebody to help you. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. Joseph sounded like he's kind of like a leader. Why is he in the dungeon? So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this? One is whom... One in whom is the spirit of God. Even Pharaoh could, could sense the power of God in the Hebrew. This is not a God he serves. Don't you remember who, who ran the Israelites out of the Exodus? Like, don't you remember? This is not a God he served. But just like then, they recognized the power of the God in the Hebrews was greater than anything they'd ever seen of a God. That's for real. That's bad when you can recognize there's a God that's that's real. And then still not follow him. He said, Can we find somebody like him? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning and wise as you. He's like, Is he talking to me? He's doing it. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Oh my goodness. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I don't know about y'all, but if they had mics back then, that would be what you call a mic drop moment. Here's the guy from the dungeon, rags to riches, wolfman to shaven, to dapper, like, like in front of the pharaoh, and now the pharaoh has put him second in command. Like that. Like that. Acoustic to full band. Like that. Church attendance doubles, triples like that. Like, like blessings like that. It can happen like that. Today's message is titled in this week two, God's Place of Appointment. Appointment. Not only do you got to be at the appointment, but when God is trying to appoint you to something, you better show up. It's the place of appointment. Get it? It's not only a time to be there. He's appointing him in charge. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you recognized ahead of time, like Joseph, that God was sending you somewhere, and it was no accident? Everybody say, it wasn't an accident. I came to church today. It wasn't an accident. You were at the right place at the right time. Who knew prison could be looking so good, says Joseph, after two years. Two years in the dungeon, I bet the light hurt his eyes, Vincent, when he came out. He was like, you know. We're seeing a shift in the perspective of Joseph's rank as he is going from slave to now being present in front of Pharaoh, which is very unusual that this could even happen. This is not the way it's supposed to be. He's the He's the pauper in the dungeon who doesn't even have no clothes. Why would he be the one? Says every good Bible story that God promoted somebody. How could this happen? Was it an accident or did God put him there? Do you think God has an appointment for you And that everything you face to this point may be what gives you the strength to supersede a failed expectation from the world with a holy expectation from God that overrides, everybody say it'll override, any trap the world tries to put you in. Now Joseph can say, okay, I wasn't crazy when everybody says I was Even I questioned myself in solitary confinement when I was in that dungeon. I questioned, is this really worth it? Do I really want to be a dreamer? Because this doesn't look like what I saw in my dream. But he persevered. Are you acting in faith when God sets your place for appointment? Everybody has a place for their appointment with God. And that's not an online church either. You don't know how to find your appointment. You got to first make an appointment with your, your, your church and go to church. And God will give you, a, he'll start filling up your appointment calendar. But if you want an appointment, you didn't see Joseph sitting back saying, call me later, Pharaoh, hit me up on the broadcast. He said, get your hiney in my office, clean yourself up, present yourself worthy before me that you're hungry for this, and I will promote you. And that's what he did. You see the difference? God's place of appointment takes faith. We don't want to miss the invite. Nobody likes to miss the invite. Do you know they say, Michelle said that, that RSVPing is now considered not a thing. I'm like, well, that's, just, that's called church ministry. No, she said, no, in the culture, like, like... People are like, they don't RSVP no more. It's becoming like an accepted thing. I'm like, oh, that's dumb. <laughs> and I moved on. Because God wants to know, are you going to be at the place he says to be when he calls you? You got to let him know. I want to be there, God. I think Joseph let it know clearly when he was willing to go to death if his brothers were to kill him or he was willing to live in the dungeon for two more years. He could have you know, he could have pulled a Shawshank and found a tunnel, but did he? No. He stayed because he was faithful, waiting on appointment. That's a promotion. When I lived in Nashville, and I tell these stories to help illustrate that you may relate them to you in some way, but when I lived in Nashville pursuing music, It's 20 years ago. I was there off and on for 10 years, but I lived there five of those years. It felt like a lifetime. Part of the hustle of the artist's life is being broke. That's a requirement. You have to be really poor. That's a requirement if you want to really be an artist. That's why they call me So, So part of the hustle in Nashville is the songwriting capital of the world, just so you know, Uh, is seeing who you can find, who you could bump into at the coffee shop and you could co-write with and write a song. And all you had to do was connect with the right people to get you on the right song. And next thing you know, you got publishers wanting to give you songwriting. It's all about who you know. You're seeking for appointment. So I didn't have any appointments. I had to go find appointments, Vincent. How can I create appointments? And so does anybody remember? uh, This is going to be funny right now. I'm going to mess mess this up. one last cry, one last cry, before I leave it all behind. Gotta get you out of my mind this time, So I'm living a lie. Nicole, I know you know this. <laughs> I guess I'm down, I guess I'm down, <laughs> I guess I'm down, <laughs> to my last cry. Please, somebody tell me the song and the artist. Anybody? Brian McKnight. Brian McKnight. Does anybody know who Brian McKnight is? Cause one is like a dream come true. Can't sing the rest. You know what I'm saying? So, so anyway. Somehow, oh, oh now you sing. I guess we're gonna put that in the worship. Hey, let's admit, it's a good tune, isn't it? But um, one last cry, is like so sad, so sad. And so, so that, that was my jam. And somehow, I got partnered up with um, the guy who wrote that, with Brian. And I don't need to name drop because it's not about that. But, but the thing was like, hey, I'm, I'm from Mississippi, and I'm going to be here for 10 minutes in Nashville. And if you happen to be where I'm going to be, maybe we can talk about like your demo. But I'm only going to be here for this short window. So I'm like, stop everything. Run out of the, run out of the whatever I lived in the hole. And, and just run, you know, and just, just get to wherever he said to go. And I hate to say it, but I treated these people with a little bit too much respect. There's only one God. Can I just say that? Oh, y'all don't even know. It's gonna be good, but but I had to get to that window, and that was a regular thing, and that was so cool because Nashville's Christian and country primarily now they're a little bit of everything, but back then to see Jen to see an R and B dude up in the Nash Vegas wanting to connect with me that was like he wrote one last cry one of my favorite artists Brian McKnight like next to New Edition like who else is left the world is over it's it's a bucket list moment and then and then he canceled. Yeah, he canceled. I'm like, I don't remember the moment. And then he didn't know that I'm like, I'm like a squeaky wheel. Like, if you say, hey, hey, I want to help you, I'm going to keep, I'm going to say, hey, remember this? I'm going to keep following up until you hate me. And so that's what happened. And we never spoke again. Right, this other time, can I tell you one more? Just because this is cool. Nobody knows about these little secrets of PJ. Who remembers Wycliffe? I'll be gone to November. I'm not saying he was good. Boy, I need to get some voice lessons. Can I be real? And his guitar was out of tune. It was another moment. Uh, Whitecliff's coming. And and the brother in my band, he's like, he's like, hey, I know somebody who knows Whitecliff's coming. And right now he's at the mall getting some shoes, but he's interested, he's interested in his, this production company. And, and I'm gathering up all the all the artists that we can take to him because he's interested in maybe like Putting a label here in Nashville to you know Clive Davis up in New York and J Records and all that stuff and 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 I remember I remember like we had to time his his arrival like uh, oh oh white left please he was actually super cool but it was the exact same scenario there was an opportunity for appointment and if you really wanted it you go find that appointment now that was with worldly material, worthless in the grand scheme of things, goals of mine. How much greater do you expect God would move in your life if you pursued him like that? I mean, I woke up a list. This was my life. This is everything to me. I'm here for one reason, and it's this. To find these people and take me to where God, I thought thought God told me to be a pop singer, believe it or not. Like, you know? Janet, like like a little 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 Michael, little little moonwalk, you know. I thought all that, but no. No. Oh, I'm gonna get there. I tell you that story and it's funny. You can laugh because it is funny. And um I did get to meet Wyclef. that was pretty cool. We hung out for a while. He took us to his concert backstage and everything. And then he was out. Out. It was it. Never saw him again. Don't miss the invite. And God wants to set you up with an invite to an appointment that's going to change your life if you find it, seek it. God will set the appointment, but we have to act in time of the test. Joseph's test was being in that dungeon at that point. He could have just been so... If I had been in a dungeon for two years, I would have been so delirious that when somebody said, finally, I got you. Not only are you coming out, but you're going to the man in charge, I would have probably just passed out and not believed him anyway. Because you're getting crazy in there, Mike. It's just you and the dungeon walls. But what did Joseph do? He remembered the dream. He remembered the coat that Jacob gave him. Joseph was called to interpret a dream, and without that gift, guess what there would have been? No appointment. What does that tell me? That means it's the gift that got him to the appointment. So what that tells me in 2021, post-corona, post-weird culture that is still weird, but we're going to fight through it, is that God has a gift for you, and my gift was, was music when I was younger, and I just wanted to use it for, for whatever ego, and God finally said, that's for, that's for me, and so I'm going to take you to a new appointment that's better, and that was just part of your story, and God's got a gift in you that you don't even know is in you. You didn't even know you had. Jen, I don't know. I didn't know I liked kids this much. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can I I briefly share this? When we put Jen up in Oak Kids in the beginning, she didn't know she had a passion until she did it, right? And she fell in love with it. And she's been our our Oak Kids director all this time. Give it up for Jen. Has anybody worked in Oak Kids? It's not always peaches and cream. It takes a leader to do that. So thank you, Jen. But she loves it. She's thinking about it. She's passionate about it. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, you all have a gift. And Jen's got all kinds of gifts. We all got all kinds of gifts. God wants you to use his gift for his glory. Joseph was not going up to Pharaoh without the gift of the dream interpretation. That was Joseph's gift. You got your gift. If you don't know what your gift is, ask God, show me a gift that you can use me because God will find one. He will will fill up your calendar today. What gift are you maybe withholding? Mine was music, because I thought Christian music was lame. I'll never do that. Corny, and then it got better, and then I quit being such a snob and said, well, it is for God, you know, but does God understand that it's corny? Like, Like, I had this real ego about Christian music, and I shifted to Christian music, and it was the most rewarding thing ever. Now, I could keep going on about that, and maybe I'll touch on that in a little bit. But what I thought was the end of my story was still being written, just like your story is still being written. And so because the outcome didn't look like in the dungeon, that the promise that God said, it's because Joseph's story was still in progress. Does that make sense? One seed's in progress. We're all in progress, so that's a good thing. But we can hesitate and miss the invite of God's timing. Don't miss it. It starts in his house. I commend you for getting up and coming to church in a world that thinks it's optional. It's not optional to God. It's, It's a sign of faithfulness. I'm not saying don't ever miss church. I'm saying the world thinks God is optional. God is not an optional question on the form. He's one of the required ones with the asterisk. And if you don't check his box, you can't go to the next one. Doesn't that drive you crazy? especially on the password changes that are so complicated you can never get through it. You finally just throw the computer screen. God says, I'm just a checkbox. If you check me off and you get in my will, like, I'm going to let you go through this. I'm required, though, says the Lord. That's why we need church. That's why this church exists. So it's a good thing. The underlying motivation, I think, that Joseph had deep down was a need. Now, I don't know Joseph's backstory. I don't know how many times he's been through this before with having a dream and it failed because the Bible doesn't tell us, but we don't know that there wasn't other occasions. There wasn't other situations that Joseph said, why this time? It just shows us how faithful he was, but doesn't mean there wasn't more to Joseph's story. Joseph could have had an opportunity with Pharaoh before. We didn't even know it. I'm not going to rewrite the Bible, but I'm saying we don't know where Joseph's heart was, but there was some kind of need deepened down him to pursue And that's what we got to find is the need to pursue because needs bear opportunities. When I lived in that Nashville place, and uh, uh, my buddy would give me free coffee. He was a coffee man, and I would live off that caffeine high I was like my food, and I was shrinking. I was like the ugly cows. I was just like anorexic Jeff and, and all these things. But when, when the opportunity was there, the need to find better, the need to show my family that what I risked to go here was worth what, what they lost by not having their son present, like that there was something to prove that the need was there. So I was, I was destined to show them that it was worth it. And so that's, that's, that's how we have to be, is to, to show God that we don't know what he's going to do, but our need to, to be loved by him never stops being hungry. And so when we keep that, That hunger that we say, you know, we use a lot of buzzwords in church, but they're not really like registering in the mind if we just let them be become um, going through the motions. But when we really remember that we have to have God, that if you forget God, you can go right back to the way you were. That you can start having panic attacks again. You can start having weird things again that you thought you were too good for anymore because you were you were healed. And God says you were healed in in Christ. When you start taking me back out of the situation. The devil starts coming back in. And so, so Joseph had a need to keep going. So if you can find that need, church, you can find the opportunity. It sounds contradictive, but if you can discover a problem in your life, you can find a solution. The reason people stay broke is because they never want to discover that there's something that needs fixing. You know? Is, remember, I talked about how I would never face confrontation with my family if I had an issue. I just avoid because it upset me. But that's why I never, it never, never got better. It's because I just avoided. I was, I was hesitating or um, stalling. And so, so when we say, "Okay, God, what are my shortcomings?" how can I do it better? How can I pastor better? How can I be a present dad? I mean, these are real talks I have with myself all the time. How can I, God, please don't let me be absent-minded when this baby comes. Please let me be like I was when baby number one came. I don't want to do that to baby number five. Like those are conversations I really have with myself because I don't want to, I don't want to cheat them. I don't want to cheat the promise. I don't want to cheat the blessing that we begged God to give us if it be his will. And then he delivers the blessing of the, of the, of the seven years. And God says, hold on to that thing because that's only for a season. And then we forget as soon as the, the storm comes again, I don't want to do that. So the nice thing about walking in Christ and going through a few things is after you've seen it a couple times, you remember last time how it ended. And you're like, okay, I got through it. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. You're going to be okay. You'll get through it. you got to find a need and say, God, expose the problems in my life so I can find solution through you, Lord. Do it, I dare you. Watch your problems be mitigated. It really works. If you can discover the problem, you can find a solution. The dream presented an opportunity for Joseph and his family. We haven't even revealed that yet. This is, this is a family tree blessing. Last week I talked about blanket blessings and how not every blessing is created equal for everyone. But this is a hierarchical family tree blessing that God is doing in this situation because the brothers don't know yet that when that famine comes, guess who's going to feed them? Their brother they trapped. Oh, that's good. That gives me a little goosebumps right now. And that's not even this week's sermon. But I'm trying to tell you, the the, the thing that you're not putting the value in that you think's going to control you, which may be the Lord in your life and and the Lord of your your household, is the one who's going to feed you when the famine comes. So don't forget about who's going to feed you when the famine comes. It may be the last thing you expect. Like, can I say it? Like, God's going to do it. God's going to be the Joseph in your situation. But don't forget the abundance because of the famine. God's not just looking out for you, Joseph. He's looking out for your family tree. He's looking out for your children. That thing you're putting off now is going to impact your children. And that always touches people because they can relate to that. If you want to really get me good here, you just talk about my babies. And I'll I'll go PJ mama on you. Michelle's like shaking her head. Hey, babe. Love you. Anyway, do you know we're having another kid? Anyway, soon to be another member to one seed. Praise the Lord. Let's give it up for the new member that's coming. (laughs) She's actually here, but she's, you know, in the sound room, in the broadcast room right now. This is not for me this is for the tree this is not just for you this is for your tree this is for your roots this is for in 30 years what your kids might be doing because of the tree you helped plant that's why this matters that's why why joseph persevered mattered who are you doing this for you them or both. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. If you're going to stand with me, I'm going to wrap this up. I could keep going, but I'll save it for another, another day. I thought all my national stories were failures, but God doesn't make mistakes. So just like Joseph, and I know this is a really superficial comparison. I'm not comparing myself to Joseph. I'm saying Joseph could have looked at his pursuit of being faithful, which was a downhill slope to the world, statistically failing. Statistically, you you should just go back to to your bros and do whatever. He could have looked at that and thought his story was over. God was still writing Joe's story. And, and what's so cool about like these, these stories that we think in our life, because this is not just my story, this is your story. And you think that thing that happened to you that ended that way was a failure. But if you look close enough and you look now, you'll see remnants of those stories in your journey. Are you getting this? There'd be no church without no white You getting this? There'd be no church without those disappointments, those heartaches, those painful moments to say, why did I give my life to this God? This was not worth it. This was a cheat. Somebody cheated me. This is going to cause me to never talk about this again to anybody for 10 years. That's real. That's real talk. How's the music? I don't know. Don't ask me. My name's Jeff. My name is not that. So, your identity became wrapped up in the thing that you thought failed. And so then you felt lost. But God said, I'm still writing your story. And there comes Chloe singing. You getting this? God's building this story. This is just, that's just an episode. In the season, so you all got episodes. I know this is not like a, a the new preaching concept, but it's a really good illustrative way for you to grasp this: that the that the that the car accident, that the that the COVID thing, that the that the broken bones, that the situations that felt like God, this is not the way it's supposed to go, is supposed to bring me down and make me not want to be here. God says, "I'm bringing you to Egypt so you can be put in charge because you're testing your faith right now." Come on, somebody. One of the best models you'll ever remember. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was valuable, if it was not. If if it wasn't valuable, it'd be easy. And if it was easy, everyone would do it. So when you fight that, remember it's special. Your story is special because it's supposed to have speed bumps to test you so you can see that when you get to the prize, you remember and keep those feet on the ground and say, well, I just is so great. No, that God did it. I can't interpret your dream, says Joseph, but God can. That's what he doesn't want you to forget, that it's God in all things. God doesn't make mistakes. You think they tricked him and got him in the tank, the cistern, and threw him into slavery, and and God made a mistake and it didn't work out as God had planned? Come on, that's foolish. He made the world. God doesn't make mistakes. That's good. When you go home today, you look at somebody and you say, God doesn't make mistakes. No matter what it is, it can, it can, it can. Anything you say or they say to you, you can say God doesn't make mistakes. Well, why did God do this? God didn't do that, but God used it, and there's a difference. God didn't throw him in the sister. God didn't give them that disease. God didn't send them to their death early when they were child. God didn't hurt those people. That's the world we live in, and God is going to use that to touch somebody. Maybe that's your testimony. This is my testimony. Like, there's got to be a testimony. What's your story, says the music business. What's your story? If you don't have a story, you don't have a career. What's your story for God? You got to have a testimony. Mike's got a testimony. That's why he's on fire and can't help but let it out. That's his story is how God touched him. If you don't have a story, say, God, give me a story. I need a testimony, Lord, because people need the touch. Don't forget what God did because you're being tested right now. We're going to pray and we're not going to have worship because, well, we don't have a worship team today. But I just want to bless you now, encourage you, that your story is still being written. Your journey is no different than any successful, fruitful person of the Bible. God has something big for you when you stay in the dungeon, fight through it, and get up to the appointment of your calling. And you're going to get there. Just keep staying faithful. Every head bowed right now. If you could lift your hands with me as we pray as a body, the body of the living God who still lives and breathes in this world and has full dominion and that when we think we're pushing the little baby vacuum, he's behind us pushing it for us like the little kids with the popper vacuums. I heard that preach that the God is pushing it behind us. When we think we're vacuuming through this life and that we're doing things through this life, God is the one that interprets things. God is the one that gives us the strength. God is the one that keeps our knees from buckling under anxiety and under pressure, and nothing can stop that because, God, you don't make mistakes. We're thankful for that promise and that foundation that we can stand on it for for all of time into the heavens, God. We can stand on that promise that you don't make mistakes. Everything that comes our way, the good, the bad, the ugly, you shall use it for your glory, whether it be from you or not. We don't care, God, because we know ultimately it's part of our story and it's still being written. God, have your way in this house this week. Let us remind people that you don't make mistakes, that you are ready to appoint this church and this body to the next level. And we are thankful for that, God. We're thankful for hungry hearts because when we find the need, we will find the opportunity. God, we give thanks now. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.